Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, the children of our community need advocates in order to ensure that they are safe, stable, and able to thrive. When it comes to homes and families, that is the role of Franklin County Children's Services. They are tasked with making sure that children are safe in their homes, providing families with resources if they are needed, and providing support to the community in general. I spoke with caseworker Carrie Miller, who works in the medically involved serious harm unit, which, as you might imagine, deals with some of the most difficult cases. A trigger warning here, we discuss harm to children in this episode, but do not describe specific incidents of harm. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Right now, the agency is accepting donations as part of their holiday wish campaign. You can find out how to support the drive or sponsor a family at franklincountykids.net. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission, or MORPSI, featuring stories about local and regional partners that envision and embrace innovative directions in economic prosperity, transportation, sustainability, and an inclusive Central Ohio. Morpsey's transformative programming, innovative services, and public policy initiatives are designed to promote and support the vitality and growth in the region. For more information, please visit morpsey.org. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here virtually with Carrie Miller, a caseworker for the last four and a half years, I believe, at Franklin County Children's Services. Carrie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Carrie, you were sort of pitched as the uh, an excellent example of a caseworker at Franklin County Children's Services. This is where you blush. Thankfully, we're not recording video. You specifically work in the medically involved serious harm unit, which I think is sort of the most frightening cases externally. And we're not going to get into a whole lot of the doom and gloom in that. But can you talk about that unit and sort of what it handles? Sure. So typically, those kinds of cases can come in one of two ways. One would be a medical neglect situation. Um, Usually when we get the case, the child is admitted or works very closely with Nationwide Children's Hospital. So if we're getting a medical okay. case, it might be, you know, a variety of missed appointments, medication isn't isn't being distributed correctly, or just other things that caregivers are supposed to be doing, but they allegedly are not, and it's impacting the child's, you know, their health. Um, so that's one of the type of cases that we might get. The other side of things would be on the serious harm portion of things. So that's where we're seeing kids with um, significant injuries that are concerning for non-accidental trauma. And those usually there, there are little ones, are non-verbals, maybe non-ambulatory, can't crawl or walk yet. So those are always especially concerning. Um, and there are types of injuries that will immediately flag as like some, some form of abuse would be possible from that. But yeah, those might be, you know, like our, our burns, our broken bones, our, um, our skull fractures and shaken baby. 
what I hear you saying is it's the whole range of like things that are concerning and things that are like something is wrong. Capital I S wrong. Mm -hmm. Pivoting a little bit. What is your background that brings you to this role? Like what, what kind of education and, and why did you decide to do this? So I got my, my bachelor's in social work from Malone university in Canton, Ohio. Um, and then immediately okay. went in and got my, um, master's degree in social work from the Ohio State University. I did my internship at Franklin County Children's Services for my graduate degree. And then for my internship for undergrad, I did it at Stark County Children's Services. So smaller agency gave me a little bit of background. And I was like, I had initially not even planned on going into children's services until I did that internship. And I was like, I, you know, I love this. I love what they do. I, I love the mission. So, and then I, just kind of got hired on to Franklin County afterwards and worked a normal, normal intake unit for um, about seven months. And then a mesh unit was created and I was one of the first caseworkers that, that started the unit when it began. So that was back in February of 2019 is when that, when that unit was kind of invented with the goal that we would partner with Nationwide Children's Hospital and kind of work very closely with their social workers and um, their doctors, um, they have a child assessment team that's really good that focuses specifically on child abuse cases. Um, so we've been able to really like, I don't know, build build a good relationship with them um, and collaborate very well in these cases. I think it helps the families, especially with the medical neglect types of cases. If you get a child with diabetes or some form of like a kidney disease or something like that, it helps when we have um, you know, we have experience working those cases. So we're not just a caseworker coming in, no idea what diabetes really is or how it works. So we become very familiar mm. with the medical terminology and parents don't feel like they're talking to just like some random caseworker who's not familiar with what their child's going through. Like we'll know the medications, the symptoms, like when it's time, this is an emergency, take your kid to the hospital. We became very familiar with that um, over the year. Children's Hospital was a great asset in kind of training us and making us familiar with the issues that our, our kids were experiencing. So in terms of, you know, the medical side of things, they were very helpful. They were really good at education, educating us on injuries, like what to look out for in terms of like what is concerning for an abuse case. Um, like there are some mm -hmm. types of, of injuries that are just like immediate flag for abuse. There's really no accidental in explanation that can be provided for those. So those might be like fractures in different stages of healing. That's obviously a concern. Um, it's not mm -hmm. an accidental break. You're having this happen more than one time over a span of time. Bilateral injuries, injuries on both sides of the body. Like if a child falls and like breaks bones on this side, that's one thing. If they have, you know, skull fractures on either side, that's, um, that's a whole other concern. Right. And so was that a motivation for creating the unit was that previously cases like that had been refer referred basically into a general pool of cases and whomever the caseworker was may not have been able or really good at addressing that specific kind of thing may have even escalated cases too far because they simply didn't understand what a child who might be nonverbal because of a completely different non-custodial reason mm -hmm. that there, you know, there was a disconnect between what, what those needs were. Yes, exactly. I think that was 100% the thought process behind the creation of the unit is when you have 
let's say 20 cases and you get one really high risk case, that's where all of your energy goes. It's really alarming mm -hmm. when you first see these injuries, if you're not familiar with them, everything seems horrible. Everything seems like it should be a removal um, until you become really familiar with that type of case. And then it's like, yes, this is concerning. Yes, something concerning happened or maybe something accidental happened. Doesn't necessarily have to be a removal. So we become really familiar with like how to address those situations, how to work with that family, not going out. And I think sometimes when caseworkers will get a case that seems especially high risk, they'll go out with kind of the expectation, like, I know this child was harmed. There's no other explanation for why the child would have these injuries. Hmm. When in fact there is, you know, it might've been a fall. It's just a matter of actually listening to the family and deciding if the story that they're providing is plausible and matches the injury. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that unit really, really helped kind of decrease maybe an overreaction to those kinds of cases. Okay. Pivoting again a little bit, can you talk us through sort of your day to day? Obviously, you're dealing with the intake of current cases. I assume you're dealing also with a case, an ongoing caseload as well. Yes. So every day kind of looks a little different, especially as an intake caseworker. Every day is very unpredictable. You might have you know, visits scheduled throughout the day. And then you get a case that morning that's an emergency and your entire day, you got to flip it. You got to make different plans, reschedule visits, do whatever you need to do to make the mandates you met that day or address a safety concern with the case that you got that morning. So it wouldn't be like super unusual for us to get a new case daily, like maybe even two cases in the same day. Sometimes you only get three a week, but it really just depends on, on the agency's need and the number of cases that are coming in. Mm -hmm. So that case will come in with the newly reported abuse or neglect concerns that probably got called in the night before or over the weekend. And then we're mandated to make contact with those families within the first day. So in, okay. in this particular unit, it's typically just a call to the hospital. Um, hey, is this child admitted? Can we come over and meet with them in the family at bedside? Um, so ours is a little bit different than maybe a normal case where you would just go out to the home or you'd call parents. We're usually just going to the hospital um, and meeting with them there. So never really quite know what to expect when you're going. Um, you can sometimes review history, but sometimes families don't have history in our system. It's mm -hmm. kind of going out kind of blindly. So we get there, kind of introduce, I'll, I'll usually kind of give them a brief explanation of what our involvement looks like right off the bat, because obviously our presence can be, you know, scary. We're a government agency, we're children's services, we have a reputation. So my first, you know, within minutes of meeting them is kind of explaining like, hey, this is my goal. Like, I just want to talk through and kind of figure out what happened, that kind of thing. Kind of like, try to calm, calm them down a little bit if possible. Mm -hmm. And then we're getting lists of everybody that lives in the home, basic like date of births, spelling of names, that kind of information. Um, then I'm doing the referral that we received and explaining the different roles that were assigned. Is there an alleged perpetrator that's been like our parents listed as perps, the child's the victim, obviously, just explaining what that means and then the possible outcome to that case. So whether we're gonna make a finding of abuse or neglect would be like substantiated, unsubstantiated or indicated. Those are the three possible outcomes to an investigation. Okay. So I explain that to, to parents immediately. Um, so they have a good idea of like the time that we're involved, which could be 45 to 60 days and what's gonna take place during that time frame. For me, I always find it really important to interview parties separately, especially when it comes to concerns like this. If it's an accident, we want to make sure that we know that it's an accident and we want to be clear 
in defending our decision that this is an accident and not a, like an inflicted injury. Um, and the same if it is an inflicted injury, we want to be really clear, like, is everyone a concern or is it just one person? Mm-hmm. We'll separate parties, compare reports, like, are they consistent? Did the timeframes match? to the stories match who has had access to this child in the span of time the hospital is stating this injury would have occurred so if it's a healing fracture mm-hmm. and we're talking more than 10 days we're probably getting a pretty long list of people that we're going to have to reach out to an interview if it's something that's more acute that's happened in a few days before i'm going day by day with with the family like walk me through this day from beginning to end walk me through the night if it's a baby who gets up to feed the baby, what do you do when the baby's crying and you're sleepy? Like, what's your reaction? Those kinds of things. Like, we get mm-hmm. very, very, very specific to try to get as much information as we can in that initial uh, in that initial interview. Any drops, falls, accidents, any car, any car accidents, because those can be an explanation for any significant injuries. Even if the child wasn't showing signs of being in pain, we consider anything because at the end of the day, like if. If there's not a concern for, you know, inflicted injury, we don't want to stay involved with the family if we don't have to, if we don't have to be involved. And we're obviously, you know, considering babysitters, daycare, grandparents, not just parents, just because they're the ones with the most access. And then I'm always really, really upfront with the family about like what I'm thinking. If something was shared that was concerning, I'm addressing it then and there. Okay. I I don't ever want them to feel like... You know, I'm, I'm putting anything back. I'm never just going to show up and remove their kids without them knowing exactly why that's going to happen. Yeah, or acting like everything is fine. Yes, and I, it's not. I'm not someone to blindside them. Like, we're going to be on the same page the whole way through. If I think you're lying, I'm going to tell you that kind of thing. If I think that you're doing something well, you'll know that too. So one of the most, I mean, in this unit, I think something that's a pretty common conversation is when we have a non-ambulatory child who's not walking or crawling and has an injury. This child can't move, can't can't roll over, can't do anything, and just making sure that it's clear, like, whether this is an accident or an inflicted injury, someone knows what happened, this child had a caregiver, and then just kind of, like, easing their minds. If this was an accident, it's okay. Please just explain it to us. We can work with that. What we can't work with is not knowing. Um, so just right. also building a rapport and trying to make sure that they know that like I'm a safe person to share information with and we don't punish accidents. We just try to make sure they don't reoccur. Right. When what keeps coming into my mind is that some of these cases are education issues yeah. of like, hey, this is a safer way to put your kid to bed, you know, or this is, you know, another way to childproof your home that might, you know, be uh, or that that will would have prevented an accident like this. Yes, it's still just an accident, but here's how to prevent it in the future. Absolutely. Um, We have lots of those conversations and they might end with, you know, providing door alarms. If it's a little one who will go out and turn on hot water, like the little ones love the sink for some reason. And that sometimes results in our accidental burns. So if we need to provide a door alarm or we need to provide baby gates, whatever we can do to help um, to keep the children safe in their home, but also prevent the incident from occurring again, we're going to do. So yeah, that's an excellent point. We'll definitely distribute help if we can. Yeah. Can you talk about what you believe makes a good caseworker? Obviously the education and that you, that you're passionate about the work but talk through sort of what the character needs to be of the person in a role like yours. Sure. I think right off the top of my head, 
engagement skills are pretty crucial. Um, you need to be able to build a rapport with the family and be comfortable going out and having difficult conversations. Um, if you know that that's an area that you you struggle with, maybe this isn't a, a position for you. You definitely need to be someone who's like honest and upfront and willing to address issues. I'd also say time management is a huge, huge part of this. And I know anybody who talks about casework will probably mention time management. It's just so crucial to like getting the work done and staying within your mandates. Like if you're going out and spending two hours with a family, that's two hours with the family, but that's four hours of documentation, maybe an hour of driving, and then additional time like researching appropriate services for this family. I will sometimes hear people say like, maybe maybe you're overthinking it, you're putting too much in your documentation, like try to cut that in half so you can get your assessments in. But I always kind of look at it like, you're the only one that's present for those interactions with the family. Um, so when I'm documenting, I'm usually thinking to myself, like, what do I need to put in this to make sure whoever's reading it feels like they're present at that visit? Um, so that they should be able to see the home in their mind, visualize how the family members are interacting, hear what the family is communicating and understand like the manner in which it's being communicated. Is mom tearful? Is dad, you know, agitated? Um, those kinds of things are really, really important. Are they pacing? Are they exhibiting behaviors that are consistent with fear or something like that? Just make sure hmm. it's very, very clear because this is what's get this is what gets pulled and is taken to court. Or these are um, assessments, especially in this unit, that that get pulled and can sometimes be used by law enforcement in in cases where parents are criminally charged for things. So I just want to make sure, just maybe even just like for my own peace of mind, that like what I saw and what I assessed is very, very clear, and everyone understands it when they read it. So that obviously takes time. So yeah, I mean, the time management portion is just huge. I think also something that's important is being able to like be self-aware of your own, Not I don't know if trauma is the right word, but like this is a job where you pick up on things and things will wear on you and just being able mm-hmm. to take care of yourself and take care of your peers and your coworkers, um, especially when you're working with cases like this on a daily basis, just being able to recognize like, hey, it's time to step back. Hey, it's time for a break. Hey, I need a vacation. Um, You know, they talk about like when a plane is crashing, you put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on somebody else. And that's exactly how it is kind of in this unit is if you're not taking care of yourself, we can't go out and appropriately deal with and and help our families. So I don't know. I would say that's, that's another really good one is just recognizing our own trauma and the impact that it has on our work and just being cognizant mm-hmm. of the impact these cases can have on you. Well, and the flip, I don't even know if the flip side, but the additional side of that is making sure that you're aware of your own bias walking yes, into a situation. Absolutely. Um, that's something that we're constantly like constantly aware of and not afraid to call each other out on. I think, you know, our supervisors are really good about it. We have trainings on it. It's just like, Hey, like, if you have an issue with this type of situation, like I'm going to tell you, hey, I think this is impacting like your ability to work with this family or maybe look at it from this perspective. So just, I mean, being careful of that as well. I mean, everyone is raised with their own biases, whether they know it or not, mm-hmm. trauma or whatever it may be, but just, you know, being really careful that that's not impacting your work and impacting your families. And are you gut checking similar to medical situations or mental health situations? Are you guys gut checking each other as caseworkers to sort of say, here's the case, here's what I saw, here's my intent, here's what I plan on doing here? 
rather than you just sort of operating in a, in your own personal caseworker silo? Yes. I cannot tell you how many times I'll like reach out to a peer and run a, a scenario by them. Like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. It could be this, but is it this, or am I thinking mm-hmm. of this reason? I mean, like we'll just bounce things off of each other. Um, everybody kind of, especially with these cases, you really can't just trust your own opinion. I mean, these are our kids' lives and these are really high risk cases. So we're always like pitching in on one another's cases or going to our supervisor and like, Hey, am I in too deep? Like, am I, am I too close with this family? Do I need to take a step back? Things like that. There, um, we're always, I'm not afraid to step up and say something, um, to appear because you have to, and you have to be willing to accept that feedback as well. Right. And in, in the unfortunate case where you have to take a child out of the home, this is, and I'm not trying to get legal here, but you have to take a child out of the home, but you're not referring anybody for a criminal charge or anything. That is still a situation where it would go to the courts to fully address it. Correct. Correct. Anytime we're removing a child, we're, we're court involved. Um, then, yeah. And then they would move on to the ongoing department and continue to be court involved. And the end goal is always reunification. Um, Mm-hmm. In any scenario where the child's removed, it's us working with the family and, you know, trying to strengthen them and make sure that it's a good environment for the child to return home. So, yes, we do become quite involved at that point. If there was any perception that you guys were the ultimate decider, you are not. You, you, you are the referral. I think there are some situations where people think we just make these calls and we can just decide to do this. But at the end of the day, like, that's the court's call. And sometimes the court doesn't always doesn't always side with us so um there's definitely mm-hmm. i don't want to say a higher power but there's definitely somebody else making these decisions um that's not just us so yeah that's a really good point carrie first of all thank you for your time and i'll probably thank you for it again you have the uh esteemed honor of answering the final two questions that i always ask one of which and this is just as a Columbus resident. It could be in the aus- under the auspices of your job, but it certainly doesn't have to be. Uh, what do you think Columbus is doing well? You could also talk about something you like about Columbus. And then what do you think Columbus is not doing so well? Or maybe something you just don't like about Columbus? Um, I feel like Columbus is really good. I mean, we have just like incredible like community supports available for our families. Um, we could not do what we do without utilizing these community supports, whether it's mental health providers, drug and alcohol counselors, hospitals, I mean, the courts, our police department. I mean, everyone has just been incredible and, in, you know, working with us in these cases and our families. And there are situations where we can close out a case because we're so confident in our community supports that we've linked our families with. So I would just say huge, huge thank you to them. We really, truly could not do what we do without Um, without them and then what do you think columbus is not doing so well okay columbus needs to work on their whole construction situation it is really really wearing on me i i don't know every day i wake up and it's just a new construction that nobody asked me about (laughs) i'm just kidding and it's in your way Mm -hmm. and it's in your way yeah slowing down fair enough carrie thank you again for your time thank you very much thank you for listening to the confluence cast presented by columbus underground 
Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Right now, Franklin County Children's Services is accepting donations as part of their Holiday Wish campaign. You can find out how to support that drive or sponsor a family at franklincountykids.net. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite caseworker. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.